Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, you guys. It's Jet. This is an intro. So you can check that off your list of things the show does, because I don't want to break format, because when I do, people go, what happened to the old song, Jet? We miss the old song. So this is psychotherapy. Um, I'm not going to do much of an intro because this episode is uncut because I got trapped in a perpetual loop of trying to hit perfection in the episode that made it so that I didn't have one for a month. So here is the episode without further ado. I'm Jet Dunlap. Here's a little jingle right into the show. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, keep on uh, keep on trucking. I have an episode that I recorded at 3 a.m. because I was awoken while I was sleeping restlessly. And this episode was a couple days after a profound experience I had while filming, while I was directing. And there was so much synchronicity, serendipity, and a bunch of other words that mean the same thing, fate. And I thought I had a tiger by the tail. Almost always when I have that feeling, I don't. But I chipped away at this episode (laughs) against what I know to be correct. There's this expression saying that Abraham Lincoln, or it's attributed to a lot of people, said, if I had three hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend two hours sharpening my axe. What I did is I took an axe handle and beat the tree for 30 days with limited success. And what I mean by limited is I whittled the episode down to something that I thought was comfortable for me to share because as I state in that episode, 3 a.m. us If you are like me, and if you found this show, you may be able to relate to me. The 3 a.m. version of us sees, feels, knows certainties that the daytime us cannot. There is a universality to nighttime existential exploration that is not possible during the day, because during the day, the Experience of the real world is in our face. It's right there. What's a tree at 3 a.m.? Well, you have to think about what a tree is because what is a tree? What does a tree mean? What is a tree to you? What is a tree to your friend? What is a tree to a person in India? What is a tree to a person from a thousand years ago, you know, who doesn't have any idea of the notions that we take for granted? During the day, you go, what is a tree? And your brain goes, it's that. (laughs) There it is. There's a tree, you jerk. But it was a great episode, I felt. And maybe great is an interruption to consistency. Because when I've had things that I thought were great, and I try and extract the greatness... I end up spending a great amount of time, see what I did there, trying to highlight what I think 
you should know without the words that I use that I find not embarrassing, but specific to people who feel these things, and I don't want to alienate. So basically, I'm taking this pure moment from my night that I was awoken and felt spoken to through my dreams. And then because I'm in half of that world and half of the waking world, and then many weird things happen, like the show I was watching. This is during the podcast. I started recording the podcast. And the show I ended up watching after the podcast had verbatim said something that I had said in the podcast earlier. And I tried to tie that in so you could experience what I was experiencing in real time, which has always been the mission of the show. And when I listened to it, I always found problems. And I thought, well, maybe I should just put it up. If I had an audience that I was close to, which this is a tip to you guys to get in touch with me, if I had an audience that I was close to that I could get direct feedback from on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, I could gauge their level of desire for something like this. But my audience, and this is interesting if you haven't listened to the show before, the people who listen to this religiously are private about it. It is, like its title, therapy. And when someone listens to the show and it's meaningful to them, they don't usually share it. Because something that's meaningful to you isn't always something you want to expose to others. Because then their opinion about that meaningful thing to you could be dissected. And therefore, their analysis could reflect poorly on your analysis, and you will feel that you are incorrect. Which is funny, because we live in a society now that tells you what art is, and what it's allowed to be, and what it's not allowed to be. But I'm not going to go into that. Part two. I'm working with someone right now, and like myself in the past, and like all you, they have two hemispheres of existence. They have the wants of their desire, and they have the knowledge and experience of life. And they're not able to connect their knowledge to their wants. And what that means is you've always wanted to do something. I say always a lot, And never, and I never deal in absolutes. I love absolute jokes. I don't think people get it all the time, but there you go. I find them very amusing, always. We have this desire that started at a time where we could not execute on that desire because we lacked the requisite skills. Then we gain the skills and we think through the mind that originally wanted that desire that lacked the skills. So it becomes a split, a fractal. On the left, well, let's go to the apex. Where the split occurs, we have want to do the thing and lack of skills, knowledge, experience. Your life goes in the left direction and you gain five years, ten years, five minutes, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, the timeline is unimportant. But... Whatever it is to the left, you gain the skills and knowledge to execute the dream that goes on to the right. 
But what's interesting about these two things is that as your skills, knowledge, all the rest grow on the left side of the fractal or fork, the right is also growing further away from you. The thing you've always wanted or the thing you've desired to do. And you guys know what this is, first time listeners. It's could be have a family, it could be get in a relationship, it could be write a book, play guitar. It's usually something bigger like your purpose, what you felt you were put on this earth for. It starts to become more distant as the abilities to do it become more prevalent. And it's not unusual for the people I work with to experience this, and it was something I had, which is when you decided you want to do a thing, probably young or (laughs) young at heart, and you don't have the skills, the reason you can't do it is obvious. Then when you get the skills, you've gotten so used to wanting to do that thing that you still want to want it and don't do it. I can use a micro example of how I get over this. Going back to the fractal, I'm not trying to alienate that idea. What I'm trying to say, and I'm going to get back to the get back, it's interesting to me, and when I say interesting, it is perpetually fascinating that the people I know and myself in the past really want to do a thing at the age that I am and my friends are. They know how. They can. They have the resources, mentally, physically, financially, and they still treat it as if it was something that they wanted when they were five years old and they definitely could not do. As if there is some kind of existential or mental handicap that is keeping you from trying to get to that thing. Now, a lot of us obviously just give up. I don't know if you're the person listening to this, and if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking about thinking about it. But a lot of us give up, but I don't think that leaves. I know it doesn't. I've met some old people, and I've met some people who are at the end of their existential rope. That desire doesn't go away. It becomes more of a tormentor. Some people become numb. Some people become mean. Some people become reclusive. I'm one of those. But whatever it is, you don't want to be reminded of what it is that you didn't do. Every parent I've ever known has talked about what they'd be if they weren't a parent. Every person who doesn't have children daydreams about what they'd be like if they had children. And you long for the thing you want. Now, what I'm speaking to isn't necessarily that it could be, but I'm talking about one's, what they used to call, calling, right? So, potentially your mission. What voice you would bring to the human condition that is unique. The thing that you feel you were made for. So few people try this. And I get it. Listen, I... I am the reason many people don't try, or at least I'm the excuse. Look at Jet. He's tried, and, uh, and he's not what he wants to be. He's doing what he wants to do. Well, I can't spend too much time thinking about what other people think of me because I'm the last person to know what that is. But I know that people have told me that my lack of perceived success, and what I mean by that is I am not Steven Spielberg. Did you know that? Can you tell? I'm not Tom Cruise. Did you know that? Can you tell? 
at a movie screen and I did the voiceover for someone thought that it was Tom Cruise and it was me. So that has happened more than once. But if you think this is Tom Cruise, it isn't. Or is it? It's not. They look at me and they say, well, he isn't all that he wants to be. But what they're ignoring in that is that I am doing what I want to do. I'm solving the problems I want to solve. And my dissatisfaction with my situation has more to do with my brain chemistry than my satisfaction with my life. I'm probably not doing all the things I could as a sober guy. Some of that should be doing is found in AA. Some of it's found in therapy. I listen to a lot of books. I study it, but constantly I need to maintain this machine and I'm working on that. It's not like I'm externally dissatisfied and people see that and they go, I don't want to be dissatisfied like him. As a matter of fact, most of the people that see me or are exposed to me, they it's not a negative experience. All of that rambling was that you could look at someone who's trying to do the thing you've always wanted to do and say, well, look at them, they didn't succeed. And the thing you wanted to do was probably made a thing you want to do by someone who is extremely successful. Why is that, by the way? <laughs> because the most successful people have the microphone. The most successful people have access. So it's setting up an expectation that I believe everyone can achieve, truly. And that's interesting because I'm not there. But I believe we can all achieve it. It's just going to take a lot of friction and energy and getting through difficulty to get to where you're wanting to go. But the cool thing is, just like when I used to run marathons, training to run a marathon was fun for me. Right? And I think for most of us, achieving things and then acknowledging that we have achieved them is satisfaction. That is life. That is the purpose of life, in my opinion. Jet Dunlap's purpose of life is that you must achieve things and recognize the achievement. And really achieve them. Not lie to yourself. I used to tell people I did stand-up comedy before I did because I had kind of done it in college. But I was lying. I knew what my idea of stand-up comedy was, and I knew that what they were asking me was my idea of stand-up comedy, and I was manipulating my past to fit their perception of what I should do to make them satisfied and make me feel special. But I knew in my heart I was not doing that. I had not done that. And then when I did it, it was another doorway. It was another threshold in my life that opened up. Connecting those two hemispheres that started with the fractal is doing it without knowing you're doing it. I am fasting right now. Part three, the action. I'm fasting right now. I, this is so weird. I think I ate pancakes this morning, but I didn't. I got frozen pancakes out of the indoor RV freezer. Not a sponsor. Indoor RV freezers is not a sponsor. And I put them on the counter and I poured myself coffee. I drank coffee because I always know that it's easier for me to fast if I've had my cup of coffee. When I wake up in the morning, oh, you don't want to talk to me before I have my cup of coffee, Debbie says. Everyone has that Debbie in the office. And if you're in a cubicle, you have 17. That is the rules of the matrix. I had my cup of coffee and I still thought, well, you're going to eat those pancakes. And now it's hours and hours later and I'm still fasting, but I was not capable of fasting. This is a notion that I roll around in my hands. I swish like a sommelier in my mouth. I feel the earthy tones. This idea that I trick myself, it's more than that, though. It's much more than that. I kind of told myself I had breakfast, 
But in the reality you and I observe and my stomach is experiencing, I haven't. Isn't that weird? But when I tell myself you're going to fast, when I try and stop myself from going to the cabinet eating more protein bars, because I'm so lazy when it comes to food that I'll just eat those all day long, I find myself automatically getting them. But by the same notion, if I tell myself I've had them, then my brain is stupid enough to kind of believe it. Do you know that? Isn't that amazing? This is still on this topic three action. Your brain believes its most frequent exposure. You will start understanding the theories of an idiot if you see that idiot all the time. This person that I started the conversation with, a client who has the same situation as many people with that Y-axis that fractals off, their desire to do a thing that they've never even touched is not for other people. You have to start doing that thing before you know you're doing it. I used to tell clients when I was a fitness instructor, and I was that for a short period of time, I became a hypnotherapist because I realized that in-the-gym stuff is meaningless compared to what brings you in there. I had clients who would work out like crazy, and then they'd eat a whole pizza. (laughs) I'm sometimes that guy, but I wasn't at the time. So it's the psychology of it, obviously, that's more important than the action. The action's important. You can't get in shape unless you do the things that get you in shape. But if you don't have the computer system, the operating system correct, you will not run the, same, the right software, right? You won't. So if the operating system is corrupted, the software doesn't matter. And working out is software. There's a whole book I wrote on that. The action. In practicality, when I was a personal trainer, I'd say, I don't want you to go to the gym when I'd sign them up. I don't want you to. Get out of here. Get out of here, old yeller. Get. Was it old? I think Lassie. Lassie was, get out of here, get out of here, and Lassie wouldn't go. And then Harry and the Hendersons and a bunch of other places. Not places, movies. They're like places we go with our mind. So I was actually correct. I'd say go and get this membership the first day you're supposed to go to the gym. Just drive to the complex and park in front of Starbucks. Don't even park near the gym. That's too much to ask. Just park in front of Starbucks. Look at the gym for one minute and drive away. The next day, all I want you to do is get in the parking lot, park near the gym, look at the gym, drive away. That's two days. Day three, I want you to go to the gym, get out of your car, walk by the gym, but don't go in. Four, touch the front of the gym building. Five, open the door for someone who goes in the gym. Six, go to the counter, wave to them, and leave, pretending you had something in your car. Seven, check in. Go look at the gym and leave. By the time you're at day eight or nine, it's actually ridiculous. And the peoples, the peoples, I call them the peoples. When I've explained this, folks start to get it. But some who didn't would do it. How many people do you think by day two are not in the gym working out? Zero. Everyone's in the gym working out by day one or two. Even the person who goes in by day two is the exception, right? Because they're in the parking lot and they feel ridiculous. And they realize, and this is the paradoxical amazing thing about humans, the most difficult thing was going to the gym, not working out. My fasting was exactly like that. Why I fast is unimportant. It's an act of discipline and it 
is how I regulate my weight. And it's just good. It gives me different ideas for screenwriting and philosophy and what I'm doing here that I don't have when I have food because it is amazing how different your mind's energy is in a good way without the consumption of calories. But I don't want to do those things any more than anyone else. And I fall out of habit more than most because I'm in habit a lot. But it's so easy for me to fall out. But the trick is in the action section, action section being number three of this podcast. I'm not going to edit anymore, by the way, for this episode. Who knows what I'll do next? That's pretty typical for me. But I want to get some content out there for you guys. That said, I'm going back to what it is. I can't do the things I've never done. Wow. Think about that. You can't do the things you've never done. You've never done them. So don't try and do them. Now I'm really pickling my tickle. That sounds dirty. It's not. It's nonsense. Now I'm really confusing myself. Basically, put your body on impulse power and run the normal operating system. That's what the going to the gym and not going to the gym paradox is. Get yourself to do the thing you don't want to as you're thinking you're not going to do it. I used to have to make 100 cold calls a day with a manager listening to my calls whenever she wanted to, right next to me in the chair, and sell two real estate agents across the country solutions to their marketing that they didn't ask for. If you've never picked up the phone for the first time to make a cold call, it's people say public speaking is the hardest thing in the world, but you've spoken to people. Public is just more people. Making cold calls and trying to convince someone on a quota where a computer is tracking how many calls you make a day, that is a 20th level of hell. They had to make, it skips by all the other levels and it's the worst level of hell. Because torture you're going to get used to. But this is a unique hell. I could never do that if I thought about it. I would press the dialer and as the phone is ringing, I have trapped myself. What's interesting is this discipline came to me from calling girls when I was a kid on, you know, dating, a discipline that does not exist or a human action that educated us in doing things that are difficult that no longer exist. Because if I was just able to double click on a person and see if they liked me, then they liked me. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I've been in a relationship as of a couple days ago for 19 years with the same person. But if I had lived in a time where I could order people or I had, I mean, I, I don't, maybe I'm judging you. I am. If I could just press on something and that person saw what I look like and I saw what they look like and we were like, we look good. Let's go hang out. Like that is, I would be a thousand million pounds. I would be the laziest man on earth and I would have been dead by, I don't know, 21 because that level of catering is so impossible for me to consider in my own experience like I can understand it for you folks but for me that level of access to that desire being able to order food and have food come from anywhere I don't do any of these things I've never done any of those things I don't even order uber I've never ordered any of those things If I could have had that, I don't know who I'd be. 
So I sympathize with people who are dealing with problems that I don't have. Because that is not something I can still conceive of. Even though I write it in scripts and I talk to people who've experienced it, I can't. Now that's not the point of this story. It's a sidetrack. We're back on the road. And here we go. Don't try and do it. Whatever X is, whatever X is in your life, the desire. Hey, Jet, isn't this all of your episodes? Yes, this is all of my episodes. If you're new, this is all of my episodes. And this is all of your life. Things you want to do and things you don't want to do. That is all your life. And things you have to do and things you can't do, right? So those are the four things. That's all your life. I write screenplays. And when I'm talking to people who are trying to write screenplays or people who write terrible screenplays who've written them for a long time and they're trying to reinvent the story, they can't. The reason that the Bible, the reason that Norse mythology, by the way, that's every superhero movie you've ever seen, the reason mythology in general, whether it's Greek, Roman, why it resonates with us, why the Bible is the best-selling book of all time, is that it speaks to a situation that is the only situation that resonates with humans, which is a beginning, middle, and end. A desire to have a thing. Um, Your impediment to that thing being your weakness, overcoming that weakness, or a desire to overcome that weakness. Getting the thing you want, finding it's not what you want. Getting to the top of a peak and seeing another peak. These are all universal, right? Move the feet as you're thinking about doing the thing is the only way you will ever achieve anything. Now, cliches are tough. People always throw cliches at me when I say stuff like this, and they'll go, journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. But I've said on this show till I'm blue in the face, the minute you let a cliche come in and you are not a very, very developed person who can understand and extract the wisdom of a cliche without having it be a throwaway, that's very unique. Most of the time when someone throws a cliche in, it has destroyed any shred any drop of motivation that existed in the original theory. Saying walk while you are thinking about not doing a thing. Go to the gym and don't go to the gym. Start the thing without starting the thing. Open the screenwriting software and start smashing your head on the keyboard. You've written something. Grab a guitar and start strumming it till it is so obnoxious you have to Google how to do it. In my movie, The Earth Mover, that's at festival right now, I say, and I'm not able to quote myself because I don't remember, but we have access to more information now than ever. But because we know how to do it, we think it should be easy. Creating something from nothing is never easy. But don't let yourself know it's not easy. The words you give to the thing is all of the meaning. The thing doesn't matter. How you feel about the thing is the only thing that ever matters. Ever. It's why taste differs. You tell yourself, I feel good about this. That feels stupid. You meditate, I want to do this. That's ridiculous. Or not that simple. Go watch a movie that opens your mind. Go read a book. Go talk to a person who completely shifts your perception for the rest of your life. We've all had it happen. Don't think you're smarter than the system. Guy and Guyettes, we are not, and everything in between, we are not. We are creatures that need to be reminded every single day 
We are creatures that operate under the rules of this universe, just like a character in a story. And to believe differently is to sit in futility for life. This is the show you're going to get. I'm not even going to listen to it. Pure. Straight. Uncut. I'm doing that thing with the pinky where they, uh, you know, like Lethal Weapon, but all those movies where they put the pinky, the cop puts the pinky in the cocaine and then taste it on their tongue. Oh, yeah, that's pure. That's what you're getting. Is it good? I don't know, but it's pure. Here it is. Here it was. That's the show. As you're telling yourself, I can't, and I'm this person. I'm doing an impression of myself. I can't. I will walk towards the thing. I will drink the coffee before I eat the pancakes. The pancakes were on the counter. As a matter of fact, my wife had the pancakes. She must have thought, oh, how nice. That's not a judgment. That's just reality. Do not think (laughs) about the thing you don't do. Because you don't do it because you've thought about it too much. And your brain is a problem-solving machine. And it will come up with reasons not to do it to solve the problem of not doing it. Just do the damn thing. And there's a bunch of cliches, like a carousel of cliches, that are going through my mind right now. And I'm not going to use any of them. Because that will dilute the purpose of this episode. Move in the action of the thing and don't think about it I'm Jet Dunlap this was the show they call psychotherapy and I'm gone talk to you next time thank you for listening to another episode of psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap if you enjoyed today's experience please recommend it to a friend and if you did not enjoy today's podcast please recommend us to an enemy listens or listens we don't really care We just want to get the word out. You're the best. You look great. And don't forget, psychotherapy is good and you like it.